We have a few brief hours to embrace an aspect of our mission that I think we've largely forgotten. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. What does it mean to pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Jerusalem will never have peace until they recognize the Prince of Peace. Some we can reach now, in which case they become a member of the church. Some will not believe until it's the last hope in a very, very dark and painful world. Let's make sure that we have uttered a prayer for that nation. They are surrounded by enemies. They are facing, from a human point of view, certain annihilation. You know what Henry Kissinger said? In 10 years, there will be no nation of Israel. That's the best joke I've heard in a long, long time. They will never be driven out. Say, how can you know? I'm asked this question all the time. How can you know? How can you know that they won't be driven out and scattered again and things will go on for a thousand years? Well, I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is they're there to stay. The bad news is you don't have another thousand years. We'd like to think that we do, but we are, we are at the conclusion of our, our little short paragraph in history. Check out Isaiah 11 and verse 11, because Isaiah the prophet foresaw that there would be two dispersions and two returns. And after the second time I recover them, then I will return. And folks, it's happened and he's coming and they're not going to be driven out, but it's going to be painful in the extreme. A third of those who survive into that time are going to believe. Those are the numbers that were given. We have a mission mandate, and that mandate is to all the nations of the world. But I do believe that there is a specific focus of that mandate. And that, that aspect of the mandate is with special attention to the children of Israel. Israel is a burning passion in the heart of the Apostle Paul. and should be to you and I. You remember that Paul spoke, I believe it was to the Colossians, when he said that it was his pleasure to suffer on their behalf because he was filling up that which was lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Paul saw very clearly that it was his responsibility as a member of the body of Christ to continue what his Lord had begun. What Christ came to do, that's what he was here for. What Christ died for, that was what he was willing to die for. And therefore, to carry on that ministry. And Paul, in Romans chapter 10, we see how he makes this a little bit more specific. Verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. You know, my friends, the Bible commands us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It comes from the psalm. What does it mean to pray for the peace of Jerusalem? When you and I pray for the peace of Jerusalem, there will be no peace in Jerusalem until Jerusalem and Israel receives the Prince of Peace. And therefore, we pray for the opening of their eyes. Have you ever thought that a prayer that you utter today could impact the soul of someone who will live in the next dispensation? Open your Bible with me to Psalm 102. A thousand years before Christ, a prayer was being offered to God. Here in the Psalm of David, when Paul says, My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Don't you think Paul, being doctrinally accurate and having the mystery of a new creation revealed to him, would just say, Who cares about them? Now we're done with them. We've moved on to new ground. A thousand years before Christ came, there was someone praying for you. Let me start at the beginning. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my trouble. David, by the way, often prays as an expression of the trials of Messiah when he would come. I like the way uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer puts it. He said, when you read the prayers of David, you are reading the prayers of Messiah because the prayers that David prayed, Messiah prayed when he was here. Interesting thought, isn't it? My days are consumed like smoke. My bones are burned like a hearth. My heart is stricken and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread. Because of the sound of my groaning, my bones cling to my skin. I'm like a pelican of the wilderness. I'm like an owl of the desert. I lie awake. I am like a sparrow alone on the housetop. 
My enemies reproach me all day long. Those who deride me swear an oath against me. I have eaten the ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping because of your indignation and your wrath. He's picturing here the whole history of the nation of Israel, which is summarized in brief in Revelation chapter 12, when he tells us that the woman will conceive and bear a child. And because of that child that she brings, she will be driven into the wilderness. The hatred against the nation of Israel that existed in David's day and the hatred that exists against Israel in the time of Nazi Germany and the hatred against Israel that exists today comes from the same source. It's satanic in origin because Satan still knows that God's plan for those people is not done. And so he talks to the woman who is in travail. Because of your indignation and wrath, you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like a shadow that lengthens and I wither away like grass. But you, O Lord shall endure forever and the remembrance of your name to all generations you will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her yes the time that was set has come what time is he talking about second advent right time to favor her has come your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust so the nations shall fear the name of the Lord and all of the kings of the earth your glory for the Lord shall build up Zion he shall appear in his glory He will regard the prayer of the afflicted. He will not despise their prayer. Did you get the message that he just said? This that is promised is going to happen. He will not despise their prayer. You want to hear one of the prayers of the afflicted? Here is a prayer. Listen closely. O Lord, remember not only the men and the women of goodwill, but also remember those of ill will. Do not remember all of the suffering that they have inflicted upon us. Instead, remember the fruits that we have borne because of this suffering our fellowship, our loyalty to one another, our humility, our courage, our generosity, the greatness of heart that has grown because of our troubles. When our persecutors come to be judged by you, let the fruits that we have borne because of their persecution be their forgiveness. Found on a piece of paper in the pocket of a child at Ravensbrook concentration camp. I don't know that I've ever written anything that high. That's something amazing to me. He shall not despise their prayer. Now get this, because here is the kicker. Verse 18, this will be written for a generation to come that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. Can you see the church there? He's not just talking about the next generation of Jews. He's not just talking about another generation. He's talking about a new people. Generation is often used for race, that a race yet to come, a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. For he looked down from the height of his sanctuary, from heaven the Lord viewed the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to release those appointed to death, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. When the people are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. I believe that David here anticipated, and maybe because of something he saw in the writing of Moses. Moses knew there was more to be revealed, but he knew that it was not for the children of Israel. It was for someone else. David knew that the things he wrote would be an encouragement and a strength to a people who did not yet exist. He didn't know who they were. He didn't know what they would be called. The idea of church never entered his mind. The concept of being in Christ was beyond his ability to comprehend, although I would say that of all the prophets of the Old Testament, no one came as close to church-age truth as did David in the Psalms. And I believe there's a reason for that, because I think the Psalms are timeless. I think it's true that they do express the prayers of Christ. I would even be willing to bet that the Lord Jesus Christ had the entire Psalms memorized and uttered each of them at their proper place throughout the time of his pilgrimage on this earth. Maybe continues to pray them. Who knows? He intercedes in our behalf. 
If David had a concern for a people that would not yet be created, how much concern can you and I have for a people who were before us? If the last are going to be first, how great will they be? Paul asked the question in Romans 11, if their casting off is the salvation of the world, what will their reception be but a resurrection from the dead? It's going to be something amazing. Pray for the opening of their eyes. Dietrich Bonhoeffer died because of his devotion to the children of Israel. He was killed because he believed that a machine that was so evil that could take an entire people and consign them to destruction was a tyranny that must be resisted at all costs. And he paid the ultimate price. And I feel that you and I are living in a similar time. Our nation is no longer a friend to Israel as we have been. But somewhere there has to be a people that will not only pray for that nation and speak out for that nation, but if necessary, shelter that nation. Those Christians who fought in the resistance for the sake of the Jewish people, they did what the church is supposed to do. And through their dedication and devotion, many, many people of the Jewish nation have come to Christ. Many people will yet come to Christ. How many will come to Christ because you played your part? Let's pray that you and I can play the part through our prayers. Stand up for them. Be their advocate. Be their defender. And above all, be their intercessor. It will make a difference. The priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. Let's close in prayer. Father, once again, we thank you for your word that enlightens and challenges and encourages us. How we thank you, Father, that we are the beneficiaries, the recipients of all of the blessings that have come to us through the children of Israel. Without them, we would not have the written word. Without them, we would not have the Savior who was of the seed of David, according to the flesh. All that we have came through them. How we thank you for such a plan of grace that you would take a hard-hearted and a stiff-necked people and yet through them bring the greatest blessings and treasures to this earth. If you could do it through them, how we pray that you will take a church that is apathetic and indifferent, particularly in this final hour, drifting in delusions of our own imagination, going off on this direction and that direction. Father, help us to realize that if we would win the world to Christ or even a tiny portion of the world to Christ, if we would have any impact whatever on the nation of Israel, it has to be something that is motivated with the love of Christ as expressed in the cry of the Apostle Paul, my heart's desire and prayer for them is that they may be saved. Father, how will they hear if someone doesn't preach? And how will they preach unless they're sent? Truly, how beautiful are the feet of those that carry the gospel of good news on the mountains. We know that the mountains are the mountains that surround that city that you have chosen from time immemorial, which we call Jerusalem, Yerushalayim. Father, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which will only come when they turn to Christ in faith. May we play a part in that and be faithful to be their intercessors and to be their advocates and to be a shelter to them. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.